Hi, everyone. This is Daniel Williams, senior editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we're looking at a couple of different topics in our podcast uh, channel. One of those is women in healthcare. Another one is leadership. With us today is Adrienne Lloyd. She's with Optimize Healthcare. She's also an MGMA consultant. She's also been a frequent guest of uh, the MGMA Podcast Network. And she's going to take on a more prominent role uh, in the future uh, by leading uh, the Women in Healthcare podcast. And that will, at many times, will dovetail into the leadership podcast as well. So first of all, I've given everybody a lot of information. Adrienne, I want to welcome you to the show first, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So you and I have been planning this just to give people some background. We first had discussions about this. I'm almost uh, embarrassed to say, but not really, uh, is longer than a year ago. We first started just talking about it and just the way life is and our um, work lives, our personal lives. There was just so much going on for both of us. It was difficult to, uh, you know, find the right time to do it. And sometimes the right time is you just have to make it the right time. So I think with us turning the page to a new to, uh, to a new year coming up, this is a great time. So you had initially pitched a leadership uh, podcast to me. I countered that and I said, what about women in healthcare? We've had several episodes of that. You and I have had multiple conversations. So let's just share some of that information what are your thoughts initially uh, about women in healthcare as a podcast, as a format? And then we can lean into the leadership side of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I think women in healthcare, you know, there continues to be a expanded roles. And obviously, we need everyone in healthcare, regardless of any, um, you know, distinguishing factor. So we, but I think for women in healthcare, there definitely is a unique trajectory and unique um, situations that many of us face. And I do think there's a lot of stories that can are there to be shared, both from, um, you know, overcoming obstacles to just really, you know, functioning in different roles as people have grown and expanded their leadership capacity and finding different paths. So I'm hoping we'll be able to have, um, or we're planning to have um, lots of different types of input and people who've taken, you know, different um, paths along the way, different journeys and being able to share, you know, ultimately we want to have a platform where people are able to share ex experiences they've had in such a way that they're going to be able to help inspire anyone, you know, any leader, anyone who's looking to become a leader and um, hopefully just continue from there. So yeah, that, that is really exciting. And one of the things I went and looked it up yesterday, we've done about eight episodes so far uh, with this women in healthcare series um, and they've varied. And Adrian and I talked about this offline in some interviews that we had here. Uh, if if y'all have heard those, you might recall it leaned in heavily to, I am a woman this is the path that I had. This is a uh, very distinctly um, a trajectory that that my career took on. Um, and that was forged because I'm a woman. There have been others that I interviewed a woman, but it, we didn't lean as heavily into that. We just talked about uh, being a leader in healthcare, And in many of those both of those ideas were covered. And so I'm excited to see 
where you're going to take this, Adrian, um, as we uh, pass the torch, so to speak, here. Any other thoughts before we have our final women in healthcare interview with me being the interviewer, um, you being the guest here before you uh, sit on the other, uh, in the other chair here and do the interviewing. So any, any other thoughts you want to share with our listeners? No, I think we'll, we'll work on some, um, you know, processes, of course, and as you know, my process improvement background, we got to have some structure in place, but uh, we'll work on, you know, kind of a process for people to both apply and maybe um, nominate others to be, you know, on the podcast. So if you are listening or you have a story to share, know others that you think would be really, you know, impactful for others to hear, you know, we'll work on um, getting that kind of publicly available so people can submit, submit requests and kind of go through, but we do agree. I agree with you. We want to have a variety of of topics so that people can really see lots of different angles of not just being a woman, of course, but being in healthcare period and being a leader in healthcare as we um, all continue to face um, challenges, I think as we'll, we'll dive into, I've been in healthcare a little over 25 years. And, you know, I, I often say we all have the same experiences. We're all special, but we're not so unique in terms of whether you're in a small practice to a big institution, it really is about your people and your processes and how you're working through those to create engagement. So um, I think I fully believe that every story that's shared here will be able to resonate with many, many people. So we're excited about that. Yeah, that's great. So we'll delve into this. I know uh, some of our faithful listeners have probably heard you on here before, but it's interesting. Every time I interview, I learn more about you and your background, the things you're working on. So Let's dig into that a little bit, Adrian. So share a little bit of that personal journey and experiences that you've had that have led you to eventually take you to the role that you're in now as a healthcare consultant and expert. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think many of us will resonate with this as it's not a path I would have projected. <laughs> so it's just kind of, you find your way, um, so I am from, you know, a very small town originally in North Carolina. I had lots of interactions with healthcare growing up from um, my own personal journey to, you know, my my grandparents and other family members and so forth. So healthcare was always going to be a part and will always be a part of who I am and what I do. Um, you know, I started my career in my postgraduate fellowship at Mayo Clinic, um, was able to work there with a variety of specialties and leadership ro roles, kind of really creating operational change. Um some very big jobs very early in my career that I often felt um, overwhelmed and sometimes underqualified for. Um, so I'm sure some of that will come out as we um, go through the podcast series and kind of those things will resonate. I think there's always a little bit of that. You know, I hate to say fake it till you make it because I don't, I don't really believe that's what I did. I don't believe that's what many do. I think it's about answering, you know, asking questions, getting in there, looking at information, asking for input, watching the providers and the OR, you know, whatever it is you need to do to kind of learn. And um, through those experiences, you identify different scenarios and you start to connect the dots of here's how things work. And if we did this here, it can work like that there. And so um, but I've had some amazing experience. So I was at Mayo Clinic for 10 years um, in a variety of specialties in Minnesota for four, where I froze, um, and then Arizona, <laughs> where I burned up. But um, And I was at Duke Health for seven years working with ophthalmology and um, was able there to do um, a lot of change transformation. Actually, all of my roles, you probably heard me on one of the other right. series talk about, um, I often found myself in you know positions of 
really trying to create change um, and turnarounds and organizations and a lot of great people trying to do um, the right things, but without perhaps cohesive vision and structure and just engaged processes to get there. And so um, was very fortunate to be able to partner with some great physician leaders and great administrative leaders to really drive um, those changes, which of course created not only financial and operational results, but um, it decreased our turnover, increased the physician satisfaction and all of those things. Um, both my parents also are teachers. So I started speaking about a little over 15 years ago. Um, I think I just recently did my 82nd and this may actually be my 83rd um, speaking engagement or presentation. Wow. And um, wow. and it's funny, I was we had a, my grad school, graduate school reunion a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about our capstone course where we had to present this big business plan. And I just was thinking back to how like terrified I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, so that in itself has been another journey, which I'm um, you know, I still have moments of panic and what am I going to say and where what comes out? But, um, you know, it, it's all been a journey. And so I love the teaching process. I love the consulting, you know, going into consulting has been fantastic because I've loved to be able to kind of get to meet different people, different practices. As I said, we all have very similar experiences in many different ways, but being able to kind of go in there and help partner with them to understand what they're working through and what they're trying to change has been um, fantastic. And then being able to take and share those stories, both as a consultant, as a speaker, and then um, I also work as a you know business and executive coach. And so being able to um, really partner with all of those people has just been a great, great gift. Um, and I think more than anything, and as you know, I'm working on a book, so that will come right. out some point, hopefully in 2024. Um, <laughs> and it really is focused around, you know, just, I think a lot of us as leaders can, can feel, it can be a very lonely job and we do all the right things right. to get our team, you know, with us and bring them along, but um, really hoping to help people kind of think about that in a different way so that there, there's not as much opportunity for leadership burnout. And um, because they do want all of us who are really trying to do the right thing to be able to continue on that leadership journey and create the biggest impacts that we can and not feel exhausted every day when we go home. So right. trying, we'll, hopefully we can highlight some success stories as we go through this to be able to share with that. But yeah, um, and, personal side, I'm also a mom, um, 11 and eight year old. So that's its own, own adventure, <laughs> but it's great. That is wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that information. And I will uh, put a, another shameless plug in there. Just uh, in the last 24 hours, you also turned in a chapter to uh, a new MGMA book that we're really excited about that our fingers are crossed that that will be uh, published in 2024 and it will be available uh, by the uh, leaders conference in uh, October, which will be here in Denver. So we're really excited about that. So thank you uh, for working so closely with MGMA on so many different types of projects. So thank you for that. Um, let's, Let's project outward then. So we were getting a little bit about Adrian. We're getting that personal journey, some of the things that led you to where you are right now. Um, but let's talk about some of the challenges that leaders face in general in healthcare um, and how they can overcome those challenges. What are some of the ones when you're working with practices, when you're also working as a, a coach to other leaders, what are some of the those pain points that you're seeing time and time again, and and how do they help? How do you help them resolve some of those problems? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, 
I've often said this too, is the only constant in healthcare is change. And so I think that is just continues to be both being aware of the changes that are needed and being able to keep up with the changes that are needed and, and really drive the change in your organization. Like it's it's just an overwhelming amount of um, of information, of details, of of things that need to occur. Um, and so I think that's um, and while it's not, you know, people outside of the healthcare industry, business, you know, leaders also have many changes coming their way as well. And sometimes, in some ways, more rapidly than we do, but. Um, there's just so many dynamics. And of course, the last few years, re- employee retention, now provider retention is, you know, the very, very big challenges. Um, people had to increase the the salaries over the last, you know, two years to really retain employees. Um, and then now as, you know, they've had, you know, regulatory reimbursement impacts, that's, you know, created further squeezes on finances that are creating, you know, still, you um, gaps in terms of margins and improvements that they need. And um, as well as there's still retention and re- retention and recruitment issues, and depending on what I found is it varies depending on what market you're in, what type of organization you have. Some people are struggling more with kind of that frontline, you know, access check-in um, areas. Others are struggling more to find kind of those qualified specialized clinical team members. And even if they're able to recruit a nurse you know, if they're in a cardiology practice, it may be a, a nurse who's spent most of her career in oncology and doesn't really understand cardiology per se, let alone cardiology working with those specific physicians inside those IT structures and processes and all the stuff that comes with, um, as we know, there's just still so much uniqueness in, you know, practice, practice delivery. So um, I think really being able to just, you um, understand the changes is going to be there, um, but really working to create, um, you know, the vision with your team, the vision for yourself, you know, for yourself, for your organization, where, what the priorities are and being able to bring the team along with that. Because um, I know, as we talk about, you know, retention and recruitment, I think regardless of generation, people want to feel that they understand what success looks like in their job. They want to know what that looks like, what that feels like, what's expected of them. And then they also want to feel like valued and recognized in a way that they're contributing to the overall goals. So I think at the heart of it, if you can manage to get clear yourself, create clarity with your team, and then create that engagement and kind of continuous improvement value, you know, the culture where people feel like they're, they get to give input and feel valued, um, that can really get you hopefully 80% of the way there. So, right. But, um. I want to shift gears to a topic that everybody's very familiar with at this point, and that is burnout. But I want to talk about it in a couple of different ways. Um, I was being very transparent with you offline that one of the things that can help alleviate some levels of burnout is the utilization of technology. I was very open with you that I have begun using uh, in the podcast process, and I'm going to be talking yeah. with you as you're going to be hosting these now. I'm going to walk you through some of the <laughs> things that I do. You can use them, don't use them, but uh, I'll share with people that um, I will take some information and run it through AI and just see what it gives me back. And then it might get in the ballpark. It might nail it. It might you know, require me going back and editing it, but it saves me a heck of a lot of time. I might stare at a blank sheet of paper, like, what am I going to ask this person, you know, and go through all that information. And it could save me as much as 30 minutes uh, per interview at, at 
And that's a conservative estimate. And if I'm doing three interviews a week, we're talking about, I've just saved myself potentially an hour and a half a week. So I wanted to talk with you. You don't have to go down the the burnout. I mean, the technology side of it, but just when uh, healthcare professionals are facing burnout in record numbers right now, what are some ways that they can prioritize, you know, that self-care yeah. and that well-being to just help them do their jobs better and feel better inside as well? Yeah, no, I think it's very real. And um, I've also gone down the technology rabbit hole. So it's, um, it's great. It's here to stay, regardless of what you feel about AI. It is, it's not going anywhere. So um, yeah. Figuring out where and when to use it, it's is always, I think, going to be it's going to be something right. in the next like three years is going to be really, really significant for healthcare. But um, in terms of burnout, and I, you know, I have been there as I mentioned. I've had roles where I've been leading lots of change, um, and even early on in my career, where I wasn't even sure if we needed how much we needed to change. You know, you're diving into the right. details, you're figuring out the problems, you're trying to figure out where to go. Um, and I've spent, you know, I've had 60 hour weeks, I've had 80 hour weeks, um, and sometimes multiple, multiple weeks in a row. And I've, I also know that I've been at times, um, not the best um, role model for my team, because I was trying to do, do those things. So yeah. um, that's not what I want for, um, for leaders out there. And I, I do think that um, it first comes with, you know, often, so there's, there's the time that we work that then we, you know, we eventually don't have enough time and energy for the things outside of our personal life, um, or, you know, outside of our professional life that we want to have. So that's one aspect of, of burnout, right? Like you truly just don't have time and energy to do anything else. But the other piece is, you know, within your, your work, your career, your organization, I find, you know, when you're doing things that you feel like you're really contributing at your highest level, you're in your kind of genius zone, so to speak, you're, and most of the time as leaders, you know, it's your, depending on what, what position you're in, you know, you're doing things that no one else in your organization can do, right? Like none of your team members can do. You're ideally at the point where you're able to focus on the strategy, those higher level tasks, but um, really that starts first with getting you know, clear and a better understanding where your strengths are, because we can't be good at every single thing. Um, and one of them, you know, as you mentioned, using um, something to help you come up with questions. Like I, t mm -hmm. I love personality assessments. I might be a bit of a junkie um, and none of them are perfect, but I feel like you can always learn something. Right. And one of the ones I took, um, gosh, I guess seven years ago was a Hogan assessment. Um, it was created by GE in the eighties. It's, it's pretty intensive, but one of the things it talked about with me was, you know, it was, I'm a much better, it came very clear. I'm a much better editor than I am initial writer. I can be a really good writer. It takes me a long time to okay. actually sit down and generate initial content. So like even appreciating that in a different way about myself when I was um, particularly, I think it really came through when I was at Duke, we were trying to really expand our communication, not only within our organization as a, you know, ophthalmology, you know, circus eye center, but also our public communication to, um, you know, trying to increase our rankings, trying to, you know, be a better um, communicator within the whole like Duke enterprise. And um, I was fortunate to work with a great a communications and publication, you know, PR director, and she was able to even having her like draft an initial something I could edit, made a huge amount of impact. Um, and I was able to keep things moving more efficiently than if I was trying to create it all myself. So mm -hmm. I think that's where if we try to be everything all at once, um, as leaders, we can find ourselves stuck in some of those things that are not our best, best use of our time, best use of our energy. And so when you can kind of take a step back, assess what you really are great at, identify team members that 
may love doing that thing that you don't like so much, or maybe you struggle a little bit more to do. And you can really start to build that, um, just kind of that consistency, you know, cohesiveness across the group. Um, you can move, A, a it makes it more fun and B, you can move, move faster. So um, I think that is, that is a huge part of it. And um, as you mentioned, we're writing this book together. So we definitely talk in there as well about, you know, ways to increase the employee engagement and just really get them on the same page and different programs that you can offer to help individuals think differently about, you know, work-life balance. And I like to think of it as work-life integration, honestly, mm-hmm. it's balance, because I think it just ebbs and flows so much. But um, I think creating a more open conversations with your team about what's important to them, mm-hmm. both professional growth wise, like what do they want to achieve, but also personally, like I've worked with, um, I do t- team groups and coaching sometimes. And one of the ones I worked with, you know, there was had a leader who said, you know, I haven't been to my son's baseball games in like the last three years because just stuff happens at work. I'm mm-hmm. here. And um, actually someone who reported to her said, you know what, how do we help you? How do we get you there? Like we want to yeah. work with you to support you to get there. And it was just so, you know, nice for her to be, I think I could just see the weight come off her shoulders. Just, you know, I I haven't spoken with him in a while. I don't know if she's actually made it yet, but even just knowing that her team, she could say it out loud and her team could hear her and appreciate it. It gives them also an opportunity to be able to share like, Hey, this is really important to me. Um, And I think creating that environment where people get to be people and not just, Mm -hmm. you know, team members, um, I think it's huge. And um, so yeah, I, I do think that's one of the one of the really good things about the workforce. It, I mean, I started working in the late '80s, actually, and a lot has changed since then because it was, you know, a lot of real top-down type organizations back in the day. And um, I'm not going to say it was frowned upon, so to speak, to go to your kids, you know, soccer or, or baseball game or whatever it might be, but uh, there's certainly an openness to it now where uh, you want you want a motivated and engaged workforce. You want people to be enjoying their right. lives outside of work so they can also, in, you know, hopefully enjoy it uh, at the workplace as well. I wanted to ask you about that. Are there some effective ways you've seen where you can promote inclusivity you can cre- create supportive environments i mean we're already talking about it we're like hey how do we support you so you can go to juniors <laughs> you know soccer match or whatever it might be um, what are some things you you've seen work with the practices you've worked with um i think just having the intentional conversation um you know and obviously I mean, having an intentional conversation about what's important to the individual and then also in line with, obviously, we the job's got to get done, like, right, we've got to take care of the patients. So having the conversations, open the, opening that door to say we want to create um, an organization where things are, you know, more consistent, like it's predictable most of the time about when we're going to get out, you know, if we can make arrangements for people to have time away, or we can make arrangements for flexible schedule or work remotely, all of those things. Like we want to do that. We just have to work together to figure out how that can work. Um, And so I think if you have those discussions, kind of that environment there, that's fantastic start. And then there are realities of, 
you know, what changes do you need to make um, in terms of workflows and, you know, processes and just how things are, are functioning to be able to achieve that. And that's where I think the, um, as you know, I'm Lean Six Sigma. I've been doing that since, oh, I'm aging myself today, but 08. Um, yeah. So, and, um, you know, I think the, a lot of the, I love the process improvement tools, A, you can create great results, but I think the, well, you know, the biggest thing that I do love about it is using even something as simple as brainstorming and creating that platform to get input into ideas of, Hey, this isn't working or, Hey, we can't, you know, can, we're consistently running till 6 PM, 6 30, you know, every Wednesday or three days a week, whatever it is. Um, and being able to break down like, well, why is that? Well, you know, okay, we, you know, it's this provider, we don't have the right resources, the patients are getting bottlenecked, or, you know, we need to kind of restructure how we've got things, or maybe we need some more staffing on that day, you know, whatever those things are, um, creating an environment where you can get input from the team. And as, as we talked about, you know, we particularly don't want the leaders to be burned out, because if, if they are struggling, then of course, the rest of the team will too. And I think a lot of times what happens as a leader is you're trying to carry the weight of the organization on your shoulders. You know the problems that are coming ahead in terms of regulatory reimbursement, all the stuff we talked about. Um, and you, you almost we try to protect our team a little bit. You know, it's not that we want to scare them, but we also try to hold maybe too much. Um, and when we can just start to have those those like vulnerable, transparent conversations of, hey, like um, I know there's a group that I'm working with, and they've got a they're a surgical practice, they've got a pretty, they've been um, pretty insulated in the market they're in doing very well, but they've got a competitor that's potentially coming into the market um, pretty soon. And so being able to share that with the team in this way that says like, we're going to be okay, we're going to figure this out, but we're going to have to Mm -hmm. improve on customer service. We're going to have to think differently about which types of patients we bring in, you know, having those discussions then allows you to create structures and processes that um, help the organization, the patient flow and everything work more easily. So you can then create more of that balance, um, in just collegiality and, you know, collaboration with your group. So mm-hmm. I have a final question for you. you and I, we broke down cause I sent you so many questions cause, uh, AI generated a lot of questions more than I would usually ask. And so we've had to kind of hop around and find things. And that's the cool thing in talking with you and just having a conversation with someone is just seeing where the conversation goes. And I think a lot of what we're talking about here today is really finding that right balance. You were just talking about your kids. If I remembered correctly, 11 and eight, is that correct? Somewhere in that range? Yes, you're good. Oh boy, my yeah. I went a star today. <laughs> you too. But you know, it's it's such a and I've got a 19-year-old and we both have shared, you know, some of those stories. My daughter's at uh, away at college and you just it happens so fast. Everybody who's listening who has kids, they're going, holy moly, you know, it's like when when uh when can we like just bottle this? Because it just you don't want it to go away, but you also want to have them grow up and and be successful in their own ways. Um, But what is that advice? Do you have some specific examples, anything that you've shared as a coach, as a consultant, anything else in helping some of those leaders out there strike that work-life balance where they, I mean, it truly, we say the word balance, but we don't think about it. But if you've like visualized somebody standing on, you know, like a tightrope walking across it or something or, or, walking across a log that's fallen across a creek and you don't want to fall in. And so how do you find that balance where you're 
in balance, walking across it as opposed to plunging into the water. You know, how do you do that? Well, and that's, you know, if, if you if you think about any of those visuals, right, just as you said, yeah. standing on a tightrope, standing on a, you know, balanced beam or on a seat in the middle of the fulcrum of the seesaw, like, yeah. none, of, none of those are stable, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's fluid, like, you're going to have to continuously be adjusting. So I think just knowing that, like, there is no perfect answer um, is, is a good place to start. But one of the things that I do with most of the groups that I work with, particularly if we're trying to create strategic change or if I'm working as a coach, is honestly, again, it's around like clarity and getting clear. You know, I think a lot of times we do visioning, we do strategy. We only focus on the professional side if we're doing it as a, as a team. And I think um, what I like to do is say, you know, if you had looking ahead, you know, thinking today, what's working, what's not working personally and professionally. And, you know, personally, it may include things like, um, your, you know, if you have a significant other, it may be that relationship. It may be relationship, friends, family. Um, I know there were periods in my career where we were driving change. I was working so much that between work and my kids and, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for anything else. So I didn't have lunch with friends. I had one friend from college that actually lives here in Chapel Hill. And I don't think I had lunch with her for two years um, because, you know, it just, and so, and that wasn't what I would love to have have happened, but it just it is sometimes it's going to look differently, but um, defining what do you want those things to look like personally? What are a couple of things that are really important to you? Um, and then as well, doing that with your team, you know, professionally, like what are you trying to create together? Um, what are those goals? And, you know, ideally having three to five goals. I think that's a lot of things that we do too, as we pick 10 to 14 and, um, I know, as you know, I get so excited, so many ideas like, oh, gosh, that'd be great. We can do all this. And <laughs> ultimately, you're just not going to to get there. So no, it's a journey. Trust that it's a journey. I do agree. The kids are um, are going to grow up so fast. And I think um, I think being aware, too, as you, as you and I both have talked about, like our, we've gotten much more into the mindset and energy yeah. type, mm-hmm. um, discussions over the last few years. And I think you part of it's about your time and how much time you're spending in those areas that you want um, versus, but a lot of it has to do with your energy. You know, if you're really able to, when you, when you leave the office and you get home, are you able to really connect with those things, either those people or other hobbies or passions that you have in a meaningful way. And so that you still have things that light you up and re-energize you when you come back um, to the office the next week. And, um, And then I think just continuously evaluating that, you know, at least if not bare minimum, you know, every six months, ideally, you know, quarterly and even monthly check-ins, just like, how am I doing? And not being judgmental with yourself about it, but just saying like, okay, yep, you know, I'm doing good here. I need to focus a little bit more there. Maybe it's a health, something you're trying to, you know, drink more water or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, just know there's a lot going on. You've got a lot on your plates setting those priorities is very important. Um, understandings we talked about your strengths so that you're focusing as much as you can in those things that, um, you're really adding the most value and are, um, more of your, your genius areas. Um, I think it really, really is a great place to start and then just continuing to, and asking for feedback, getting, you know, making others aware of what you're trying to work towards and getting their feedback on, um, you know, is there anything you should do that? I love to ask the question, is there anything that you're doing that you should stop doing both individually as a leader, um, individually, maybe as a human, and then also as your team, you know, what are we doing that doesn't make sense anymore? Um, we'll love getting rid of stuff. So if you can do any of that, that's that's great. But, um, I think be kind, be gentle with yourself. And that's one thing I'm still learning to do. So 
We all are. We yeah. all are. Well, that is a great way to end this conversation. So um, we are so glad, again, as we led with this conversation today, Adrian is going to take a lead role in hosting the, the Women in Healthcare podcast. And it's a swan song for me, but uh, I think... <laughs> I think this is great. It's something we've been trying to do for a long time is to get more uh, host uh, just to get a variety of voices on here. And then people can explore conversations from different sides. So it, it could be really cool here. So we're excited about that. We're going to keep everybody in the loop um, on when that will be rolling out so uh, soon. And so stay tuned. Well, Adrian, thank you again for joining us. And we will be talking again soon, of course. Thank you for having me. Excited. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Women in Healthcare. Thanks again to Adrienne Lloyd for joining us. Again, we are so excited that she's going to take this prominent role here uh, on these MGMA podcasts. And uh, thanks to all of y'all for being faithful listeners to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.